I have to change that intro. I got to put my new headshots on there. Welcome everybody to Recruiting is No Joke. This is a live show and podcast, and we are actually live. So I know a lot of people cheat and they kind of record these shows beforehand and then put them live. That is not this show, which is what makes it unpredictable and a lot of fun. I got another great guest today. We are going to talk about uh, what it's like when LinkedIn isn't the number one go-to for sourcing, what techniques work. So we're going to get into that. I want to give a special shout out, number one, to MetaView. If you saw my post today, of course, it was you know hilarious watching the recruiter try and type out all of the notes with the hiring manager. But MetaView had a huge day today. They actually introduced um, a new product feature, which is great for hiring manager intake calls. So if you're sick of taking notes, and you're not good at taking notes, which would be me, um, you got to check out MetaView. So I will put the link for that uh, on this post if you're curious about it, or you could just go to my profile, check out my post from this morning and get more information. Uh, so guys, welcome here. If you're new to the show, this is live. Again, I am really here. It's not recorded. So if you've got questions, please get in the chat and ask questions. If you've got comments, if you've got creative ideas, I love to see all of it. Our guests love it as well. And if you could, either way, just say hi, where you're coming in from, like what country, whether you're a recruiter, agency, internal, just let us know who is out there. So get into the chat, and then what you'll see is I'll start to flash. Uh, I won't start to flash anything, but I will start to uh, put the comments up on the screen as well, and I want to make it interactive. So that's a lot. Hopefully you guys are doing well. I know uh, the market isn't the greatest right now, so we want to have some fun on this show and get into it. So I'm going to welcome our guest to the show. Kirk, welcome. Great to have you here. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, I'm not going to flash anything either. Um, so <laughs> I, I think we're on the same page there. Um, no flashing no, allowed on yeah, this show. Great. Yeah, we didn't talk about it ahead of time, but uh, but we're on the same page with that. So that's You that's sent perfect. me an email earlier. You said, is there anything I need to prepare? And uh, I didn't tell you that that was going to be flashing. So uh, <laughs> Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break to mention my sponsor, MetaView. MetaView is the AI assistant for interviewing. It completely removes the need for recruiters to take notes during interviews because their AI is designed to take world-class interview notes for you. The result? You're safe from the drudgery of note-taking and can instead spend time on what actually matters, being present, curious, and engaging with candidates, then making high-quality decisions based on insight not memory. also means your organization has 10 times better data about every candidate you speak to because you're no longer relying on people to remember everything that was discussed and submit accurate notes. Unlike humans, MetaView never gets tired. It doesn't forget anything and it structures the notes perfectly. Recruiters at companies like Brex, Robinhood, and Cura describe MetaView as a game changer for their efficiency and ability to have high quality interactions with candidates. MetaView lets them focus on the conversation rather than on taking notes. See the magic for yourself for free on your first five interviews. Head over to www.metaview.ai backslash no joke to get started. Love it. Well, Kirk, why don't you give us a quick intro? You know, who are you and who do you do what you do for? Is that even a question? Just get, give us a, a quick intro here. Yeah, I think I understood the question. I uh, I am the head of HR at a company called Barkbus, and uh, we are a 
mobile dog grooming company. Mobile dog grooming company. Very cool. How big are you guys? Like when, when did you start and how long have you been at the company for? Yeah. So in its current form, BarkBus has been around for about three years. Um, in that three years, the journey has been from two mobile grooming vans in one location in Southern California to now moving from two vans to 60 vans in seven locations across three states now. Uh, earlier this year, we launched in Texas and Arizona, our first couple of states out of California, which has been really, really exciting. And um, I've just crossed about a year and a half with the company. So I'm, uh, um, I've been here for about half of that ride and it's been, it's been a fun one. I love it. And in your role, you're covering HR and then managing recruitment. That's correct. Yep. Correct. Um, there, there are some people on my team who do do the heavy lifting when it comes to, to recruiting, but, um, I lead the, the overall people strategy. So walk us through kind of like your background. I mean, obviously, um, well, it's probably not obvious, but if you go to your profile, you can see you've worked at some really, really kind of large companies. So I'm curious, you know, how did you, and like, what made you make the switch from working at like really, really large companies to a startup? And then I'm also curious, like, you know, with pet grooming, I mean, that's just like a real niche. So like, how, how did the whole kind of journey happen to you and what made you make the decision to get, get into the company? Yeah, great question. I've been on a pretty clear path to smaller and smaller and smaller companies um, throughout my my entire career, and that's been pretty pretty deliberate. Um, I would say that today I'm a lot more appreciative of my past big company experience than I was when I was actually at those companies. Um, I, I would say that it was great for me to be at huge companies like Raytheon or Nestle or Danone companies like that, where I was able to see this company has been around for 150 years. There are, you know, more than 300,000 employees worldwide at Nestle when I was there. I can see what good looks like in HR. Um, and that was, I think, very valuable experience for me to have. And along the way, I just had a hunger to be a part of, be a bigger part of something, you know, one of 300,000 you don't feel like you're making a huge impact day to day. As I've moved to smaller and smaller companies um, throughout time, a lot in the CPG industry, and now obviously not in the CPG industry, I've been actively seeking out roles where either I'm head of HR for a specific business unit in a large company, or my past couple of roles being actual head of HR um, at some smaller startup companies. And I, like I said, I was really looking for that ability to have my fingerprints and impact on as much as possible at that company and be able to truly see the impact that I'm making. I love that. What's, um, cause I, I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who are at larger companies and they're always kind of thinking about, um, you know, potentially moving to a startup. So was there anything that's surprising or anything that was unexpected? for you or like what, you know, what were some of the kind of the surprises in moving from a really large company into like that startup space? Yeah, it's a good question. It's hard to think of a, of a big surprise, I would say, because it was something that I was deliberately looking for. I knew that for a long time, I was in very similar HR business type, business partner type roles for corporate employee groups. 
I knew that I needed to learn more. I need to get into, you know, get more involved in different specialties uh, within the HR scope. That's what I was actively seeking. And it was very difficult, but that wasn't a surprise for me. That was the learning experience that I was looking for learning a ton about benefits or, you know, any other thing that I had never really touched before because at those big companies, there are full teams that do that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't call it a surprise. I would call it, you know, the, the challenge I was seeking coming true. What would, you know, again, kind of looking at people who are potentially even right now considering, you know, a smaller company, right. Or a startup. What, what are some of the things you think that they would need to be aware of in just like making that change in terms of the contrast between just a really large company and a really small company? Sure. I, I think of a very specific professor that I had in my master's HR program at Michigan State. And she her big thing for all of us was you need to learn how to deal with ambiguity. Mm. There, there's not going to be a perfect roadmap for everything. There's not going to be a playbook for everything that rings true more than ever in a small startup growing company. Um, so that's something to have the right mindset for that. There are going to be things thrown at you all the time that you've never done. Maybe nobody else has ever done before. And, you know, it's a fun challenge to, to, to navigate those things um, to me anyway. And I would say that there's probably some people that that's, that's not for them. Um, but, you know, being able to deal with ambiguity, find a new path that nobody's ever taken before because maybe you're solving a problem that no one has ever solved before. That's something you have to have an openness for and resourcefulness to be able to, to do those things. And we've talked about it a ton too on the show where obviously that type of environment, it's just not right, right for everybody and that's okay. I, and we're going to, we're going to talk about some of the recruiting that you do more with like the actual groomers. Obviously you guys are a mobile dog grooming company. So uh, I want to get into that recruiting and, and how you source for those candidates. But when you're sourcing and recruitment recruiting for some of the more corporate positions, how do you maintain that transparency with candidates? Like, how do you let them know that like, Hey, this is, you know, there may be ambiguity. There might, might be days where you're just getting kind of thrown in the things and, you know, things are happening and you're just going to have to step up and we, we can't, you know, kind of give you a warning of what that's going to be uh, before you start work, if that makes sense. Like, how do you prepare people uh, with that? Like, how do you train up your recruiters so they're communicating that as well? And at the same time, like selling the culture and why they should come and work with you guys? Yeah, we, we certainly ask questions uh, to, to candidates about their you know, ability to work with problems that you know, are surprises or not part of their job description. And, and we evaluate for that. But you know, to, to your question on how do we prepare people for that? I, I like to tell folks that, that I'm interviewing for corporate roles that, you know, you read the job description. When you start, that's probably going to be 80% of what you do. And the other 20% is whatever comes to you, whatever you seek out, whatever you find. And then six months down the road, that job description might be 50% of what you're doing. And a year down the road, it might be 25% of what you're doing. Um, in a small, very fast moving, you know, growth based company, a job description does not stay stagnant for too long. And that's something that we try our best to make clear to, to candidates, because I, I think you said it, it, it's not for everyone. Um, some people thrive in that. 
and some people have a have a big problem being able to to deal with that and we try to try our best to help them understand the job description is it's going to fade over time i love it i love that job description is going to fade over time it's a it's a cool way to put it well let's um obviously like like i said a, a couple times um a large portion of what you're recruiting for are these groomers right um so yeah, we were chatting before the show. LinkedIn's not the number one place that you go for for the for these groomers. So um, I'm curious, like, what are some of the avenues that you're using to to find groomers right now? Like, what's working? What's not working? Where where is the challenge? And and then maybe just elaborate um, and just explain, like, you know, what this type of role is, and um, you know, maybe some of the challenges just around recruiting for this type of position, if you can. Sure. Yeah. So I'll hit. What, what we're recruiting for most uh, right up front. Um, we, almost all of our hiring is for mobile pet stylists. So these are dog groomers, sometimes cat groomers, who have one of our Mercedes Sprinter vans that are outfitted like a, a dog grooming salon in the back. And they're going around. I, gotta, around. I, I really want to ride in one of these things, by the way. We got to make <laughs> it happen sometime. Yeah, for, for for everyone here, you know, we've we've got a couple of videos on our website that you know tries tries to show the the day to day, especially on our our Instagram, TikTok. Um, you know, people can go and and check out what it's like day to day day to day life. Uh, we 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 love our vans, our employees. Um, you know, love our vans. I I think that there are a few different places that that make these grooming vans, and we love ours. And that's what they're doing uh, each day. They're they're going a route um, to different clients and and doing those dog grooming appointments um, each day. So that's the that's the employee that we we are looking for, and I would say that recruiting these folks is one of the biggest challenges that I have ever come across in my career. Um, you know, that may be the biggest surprise that that I came across in this new role. I knew that it was going to be a challenge. I didn't know that it was going to be this big of a challenge. I think part of that surprise comes from having been very fortunate in my past that recruiting at other companies that I worked at wasn't difficult like this. Um, you know, recruiting is never easy, but I think a lot of the places that I'd worked, it was relatively easy in that, you know, it was the dream where you post a job and we had <laughs> brand names that were big enough to where a ton of people applied and we were able to hire from that, you know, for, for the most part. Yeah. My current role is, is the opposite of that. You know, imagine, an industry where you know the demand for something has doubled, but the people skilled in that service have not doubled. Um, you mm. know, the pet industry in 2019 was about 120 billion dollars in the U.S. It's projected to be 275 billion dollars by 2030, so more than double growth in in just 10 years. A lot of that came from the pandemic that we had. A lot more people working from home having you know the luxury to work remotely and that means that five million new pets came to us households since the pandemic began so all of a sudden there are a lot more dogs that that need grooming and there wasn't a, as much of training new folks to be dog groomers during the pandemic um, so there's there's a pretty limited talent pool but the challenge that we have is a very similar challenge to any other dog grooming company out there um, is it's you know, a very simple supply and demand issue that we have to deal with. Um, so it's a great problem to have that the consumer base out there is huge and growing. Um, not only are there more pets out there, but 
per pet spending in the in households has grown and pet parents are also becoming a lot more educated about how regular grooming doesn't just make your dog look good and smell good it's actually a big positive impact on the pet's overall health um, mm. so that that creates this you know this very much increasing demand for us and that makes it pretty difficult for us and you know like you said linkedin is is definitely not the biggest avenue for us for recruiting you know we try to you know really spread things out as much as possible um you know i've i've i mentioned i've been at BarkBus for a year and a half i wish that i could tell you i found the silver bullet for uh recruiting our, our pet stylists and you know i have not and frankly i don't believe there is one so we try our best to spread our effort around to as many different recruiting mediums and, and options as possible. Um, you know, that can include industry trade shows that can, you know, include looking at, you know, your normal websites like Indeed or ZipRecruiter. Um, it can include, you know, using Instagram and TikTok and, you know, plenty of other places like that. Um, you know, we, th there isn't one spot that just is always a hit for us. You know, we try to spread our efforts around as much as possible. And then in each of those things, you know, Indeed, for example, analyze, you know, our success there and just try to get 1% better every single month, you know, learn how to do it a little bit better all the time. And, you know, things start, start coming together for us uh, across all of those different mediums. I know someone just, someone just said, what are we listening to? Pets. Now, really what we're trying to figure out is like, obviously like LinkedIn for a position like a pet groomer is not going to be the place to recruit, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure there are some groomers, maybe there's a groomer out there right now listening to the show. And if you are definitely go apply. Um, but it's this whole idea of like, what happens as a recruiter when LinkedIn isn't the go-to. And on top of that, you know, when you don't have like an established brand, uh, that everybody recognizes too, right? Like how do you approach people? So, um, I guess when you're, when you're looking at, you know, the channels that have worked, I mean, you mentioned indeed and so social media sites, like. I think we all get how indeed works. You post a job, you know, hopefully you've got, you know, an enticing job advert and then maybe you push some money at it to get it to the top of the list. What about with like some of this social recruitment? I think that's what um, I'm really interested in as well. And I'm equating this too to like manufacturing hourly roles. It's a, it's a similar idea, right? Any, any of these positions where, um, you know, LinkedIn might not be the go-to and indeed, you know, you're just relying on people to come to you. What about like on, on social media? Like how do you approach like reaching out to people? How do you source people? Like what strategies have you seen effective? Yeah, great question. You know, there, there are a couple different things here. You know, one is what we just post on our own social and, you know, other things are how we go and source candidates on social. Um, if you or any, any of our listeners here haven't looked, you know, looked for, dog grooming videos on TikTok or Instagram. If you love dogs, I encourage you to do so because it's really cool and, and, and it's very amazing. Some of the transformations that uh, the dogs go through and just it's some incredibly creative and, and cool videos out there. And, you know, we try to do that as much as possible to attract viewers to, to you know, to take a look at what grooming looks like at BarkBus. Uh, there are a lot of people who have never tried mobile grooming or are, you know, scared to try mobile grooming. You know, we try to show what does that really look like you know, on a day-to-day -day basis? What does it look like to be on your own one-on-one -on -one with a pet um, in our van? And, you know, making sure that there's a very, very clear look at what this looks like day-to-day um, -day because a lot of people have maybe only groomed in salons for, for a long time. So, 
there's that part of it that's helping people understand how this job is different and, and what it looks like for them day to day. Um, there's also sourcing that happens on Instagram and it's not as easy as LinkedIn. You know, you, you go to LinkedIn recruiter and, you know, <laughs> you know that there you, you've got, you know, a million options to, you know, search for people and filter by more ways than you can even count. Um, on Instagram, it's really finding some grooming influencers who have tons and tons of followers trying to go through all of those followers find someone who is in one of our locations check out their portfolio see oh my if it, gosh see if it's good um you know make sure that they're you know truly actively grooming based on you know how recent their their photos are and you know slide into the dms from there and you know sometimes it hits and we hire four people on instagram in a month and then maybe we don't hire anybody from instagram for six to eight months after that um, but we always, always keep trying, you know, the, the, as much as we can get out there and get in front of people and at least give people awareness of our name, the better. We have a lot of folks who come to us that's, the, it, the story isn't just, we saw your job posting on Indeed and we applied to you. It was, hey, we, we heard about you on Instagram and then we saw you at Groom Expo West, which is a huge pet grooming convention in Pasadena every year. And then when I was looking for a job on Indeed, I saw your listing there. And it's really that triangulation of making people aware of us, especially because we're new. We're not a huge brand. We're not Petco or PetSmart. And, you know, making sure that all of those, you know, different pieces of awareness come together so that when somebody really is looking for a job, they've seen us in a couple of places and they're interested. I love that. And, and Danielle said, manufacturing roles are so tough or hourly roles are so tough. It's all about marketing and then sourcing in your local community, which is what you just said, right? I love the way you put that, like that triangulation of, okay, we're going to do marketing on social, reach out on social. We're going to get our name out there. Um, whether that's even commenting regularly on an influencer's page, right? Like it's just all brand building and then meeting them actually in the community. And so when they do get to Indeed, it's like, you've got to create that awareness of who you are because the competition is thick. If there's, if those are the companies you listed, if they're all hiring for the same position, you have to create that awareness. And so uh, I love that idea of, of triangula triangulation there. Um, I'm curious. I mean, you said like slip into the DMS, um, which, you know, makes sense to me, but like, what does that like look like? Cause I've always wondered this, like my mindset when I'm on Instagram or TikTok or, you know, some of these other platforms, I'm kind of there for entertainment. Maybe I'm learning a little bit, you know, maybe on TikTok I'm searching and, and kind of learning about stuff. But I would say a lot of the time I'm there for like entertainment. That's where my mind is. So what approaches have you seen work well in the DMs? And like, I think you say sliding into the DMs, right? Like what what are some things that you've seen just like not work or like not land? Like what's the, the strategy there? Is it just similar to sending an in-mail? It probably is similar to what works in InMail or what doesn't work in InMail. Um, you know, first of all, you know, what won't work is me trying to do on anything on social media. And what tends to work is my colleague Jasmine doing anything on social media. Um, you know, she 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 certainly is, is going to be way more successful at this in general than, than I am. Um, I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have her on the team. And, you know, you just need to find that little piece of, of interest to get from that employee, whether it's you know, one statement that we said about working at BarkBus or 
a specific link to an Instagram post of ours or to a video we have on YouTube or something like that. It's trying our best to have that one entry point that makes that person wonder, I, I want to know a little bit more about this, um, you know, making it sound like we're different. Um, we're, we're different than all of the other pet grooming companies out there. And I want to know a little bit more about this. Yeah, I would call that similar to, to in-mail. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure all of us have gotten in-mail to people trying to sell us something um, way too much, of course. Um, or in, <laughs> five times or, since I've been on this on this live with you, I've got uh, as apparently some really good franchise opportunities. Maybe we should go in 50-50 on that. Yeah, definitely. That they have an opportunity that you're perfect for, for sure. Um, so we've all gotten those. <laughs> you know, it it's the one thing in it that that you know has to perk your interest, and you've got to do it quick. It, it's got to be short and sweet and very interesting enough for the person to want to to learn a little bit more. I love that. And then with, just so I'm, I'm right on Instagram, right? They have to follow you. You have to follow them right before you can send a DM or can you just kind of openly DM people? My understanding it. is that you can openly DM people, um, but I'm certainly not the expert um, on that. So when, when, um, you know, when we're looking at all of the, all these channels for your roles then like is indeed still like the number one go-to, but it's just, kind of getting more expensive right like that's what i'm hearing like indeed is just really really expensive right now indeed is is typically the best one for us um you know maybe there's a down month here and there but um yeah i would say that generally over the course of time indeed happens to be the best spot for us um and even with the way that they charge you know being different and, and changing and things like that i still feel like the the bang for our buck on Indeed is is pretty fantastic for us. And I mentioned earlier, learning all the time and just getting 1% better, um, you know, figuring out how to, you know, spend money on ads more efficiently. Where do they work? Where do they not work? Which times of the month do they work or not work? Um, you know, or parts of the year do they work or not work so that we can make sure that we're taking advantage of the times that it can be the most efficient and effective for us. So, but yeah, Indeed is, is typically the, the big one for us. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I know guys too, if you're, uh, I'm seeing a lot of posts out here or a lot of comments around jobs. Um, look, this is a, you know, it's, this podcast is all about recruitment. So we're not going to get into like open jobs. However, though, if you, I see a couple of comments here where people are just saying the type of opportunities that they want. I'm happy to put those comments on screen, but I'm not going to address it. And then someone else just asked, can you review this during the talk and comment on it? Again, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not sure who that is because it just says LinkedIn user. Um, but if you want to get mentioned on the show, just feel free to, to, to DM me. Um, and then if you guys have experience with sourcing on Instagram or um, even TikTok, because that's one that I'm really always curious about. And what about you guys? Have you see, Have you had any look like directly... Uh, sourcing from TikTok is it a similar strategy to Instagram? Like, what is what does that platform look like for the, for this? Yeah, I would like, say that I know about making the content, not sourcing <laughs> sourcing people. Yeah, I would say to date we have not had a whole lot of success with with TikTok uh, in comparison to Instagram. I would also say that we haven't put many eggs in that basket yet, and it's something that um, is on our roadmap. Um, and, you know, needs to be on our roadmap for sure. Um, it, I think that it will be a successful one for us when 
we feel like we have the the content and the skills to be able to to, to go after that for sure. Yeah, I love it. And then I know one of the things we discussed too. Um, I think this is like the first time time we talked as well. You would mention that you know you guys pay really really well. So is that something that you found successful as well? Like just you know kind of just letting them know right from the get go, hey, we pay better. Like how much does that come in? And then walk us through too, like how you're qualifying people. Cause I think, I know you guys aren't just hiring like anyone who is just a groomer, right? Like you've got that qualification process. Um, so like, how do you, how do you kind of vet people? How, what does that interview process look like as well? Um, cause obviously you can't just hire somebody and say, all right, you're a groomer, go and do it. You've got to see their work. So walk us through like how you, how you, uh, work that into the process. Sure. I'll start with, with the pay question. And I think, a more accurate way to, to, to say it is that we pay differently for sure. Um, the majority of the grooming industry pays on a commission basis. Um, and employees would get a percentage of the revenue for the appointments that, that they work on. We do things differently. We actually pay an hourly rate um, to, to our employees. Um, they also get tips and have some bonus opportunities as well. Um, but the reason we do that is because uh, something that differentiates us is that we care so much about the safety of the pets and the quality of the grooms that are happening. There are mobile grooming companies out there that have their employees doing 10 dogs in a day. Our employees are typically doing three to five dogs in a day. And we want those to be three to five awesome, awesome grooms with the best care, with great conversations with the pet parents before and after the groom. And because of that, we don't want to pay on a commission basis because we don't want anyone hurrying or rushing through their grooms to get to another groom to get the commission from that. We want our folks to be able to take their time and do a great job knowing that they're getting paid by the hour. Um, that is you know, something that some grooming candidates love and some don't love. Um, you know, Some grooming candidates just want to be able to race through as many grooms as they possibly can and make as much money as they possibly can. Then there's another group of groomers who truly care about the, really the art that they're making um, with these dogs and, and really care about their craft and being able to do an A plus groom every single time instead of a B minus groom um, throughout the day. So, you know, we, we definitely pay different than the rest of the industry and that's very deliberate. And, you know, that's, that's how we um, you know, support the you know quality over quantity thing that we're after at BarkBus. Um, so that was the pay. Um, I talked for for so long about that. I forgot the second part of the question. Can you help me? Just with Just asking like how you vet like the quality of people, right? As well, and I think you know we we talked a lot about like sourcing and finding candidates, which is great. But you know, it's like obviously if you're going to have a great service and you're going to continue to grow the business, like you've got to bring on the right people. So I'm curious like how you actually vet that out throughout the interview process. Sure. So, so we have three steps in our interview process. You know, the first couple are pretty normal for any any interview process. We have have them screen with with an HR employee, which is getting to know them a little bit, getting an understanding of their experience, helping them understand what it's like to work at BarkBus. You know, pr pretty standard. After that, they would move on to uh, an interview with who would actually be their manager uh, at BarkBus. And then, you know, the final step is you know a, a unique step that you know wouldn't happen for my job or your job, but we actually have them come to one of our locations, 
and do a technical groom test with a real dog in one of our vans. So, you know, a lot of them will have portfolios that gives us a decent look at the, the skill level that they're at. Um, but we also want them to have the experience of doing a dog groom in one of our vans. And then we're able to evaluate that skill level and make our, our hiring decision uh, based on that. You know, it's very, very difficult to hire groomers. At the same time, hiring the wrong groomer is, is one of the worst things that we could do. Yeah, it's huge. And I think that's uh, that's the whole piece that people, they don't see, right? It's like, yeah, you've got to get lots of candidates in play. You gotta have lots of conversations. You gotta source a lot of people. But if you actually want to maintain a quality service, you've got to you got to vet people out. What a, three three stages seems like a lot to me for for groomers. So like, do you get, have a lot of people like just drop out with with three stages? Like I'm just I'm just curious because I've I've even done posts in the past where I'm like, three to me is like the max amount of interviews that, that you should have ideally. Uh, and I think I would have thought that like with groomers it would be like quicker so do you get a lot of people kind of dropping out at that stage yes we do unfortunately um a lot of grooming places a, a groomer can walk into a salon and say i'm a groomer here's a couple photos that of my grooms i've been working at at PetSmart for a year or two and they get hired on the spot um you know that's that's not something that that we can do it, it it's especially interesting for us that they're, they're mobile groomers they're out there completely alone um, all day. We have to 100% trust their their skill level. If someone's in a salon environment, maybe they're one of 10 groomers there that day. They come across a dog and the owner wants a breed cut that they don't know how to do. There's other folks to ask for help or things like that. Um, so what we try to do is move through our interview processes, process as quickly as possible um, so that we don't lose a candidate along the way. Um, so if we have somebody great who, who looks great on paper, our, um, our recruiting associate is going to screen them, they might give a heads up to the manager, hey, this is a, a great place, this is a great candidate that we have here. Um, keep some time open later this afternoon or tomorrow so that I may be able to just plug them right into your schedule within 24 hours. And then if that one goes well, maybe we were able to schedule that technical groom test within a couple of days. That's that's the perfect world is being able to move that lightning fast where three different steps in the process happen within a week. Um, Do you have that automated that scheduling? The scheduling? No, we don't have the, the scheduling automated. But they just but they're just willing to kind of keep their schedule open. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a key to it, right? Because I just did a post today um, on Twitter where I just said like the biggest pieces around hiring and TA that go wrong are all human problems. And that is one of them. It's like, I don't think people understand how much of a nightmare it is just to get time on hiring managers. So I love that approach, kind of prepping them. What about on the back end? Like what's the retention like? Cause it, you have higher retention than, you know, PetSmart or, you know, one of these other companies that's hiring groomers in the way that they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when recruiting is hard, retention matters so much more. Um, I I'm, incredibly proud that in the year and a half that I've been here, our quarter over quarter turnover percentage has decreased every single quarter. Um, you know, I say I'm proud of that, but it's certainly, you know, not just because of me, that's like, it's literally ev everyone that like retention is everyone's job from the managers of the pet stylists, from their pet stylist peers who 
you know, make a, a great team environment to our sales employees who are trying to book them the, the right routes and dogs every single day. Um, so, you know, that's something I'm, I'm very proud of. I, I think that, you know, just treating folks better is, is the, the absolute best way to, to go. Um, do we always get it right? No. Do we, you know, always put a maximum amount of effort into it? Absolutely. To the point where we'll have folks that own other grooming companies kind of do a fake job application for us so that they can get an interview and try to learn how we're keeping our groomers um, because they're not able to do so. So uh, something I've, I've been very proud of being able to retain our pet stylists way better than, than historically. And, and I think better than the rest of the industry as well. Man, that's huge. Especially with those hourly roles. I just think in general, it's really, really tough. And I love that emphasis on really just trying to treat people well. It's, I know it's like so cliche, but it's like cliche because it's actually a thing. And it's just something that I've noticed a huge decline in. I mean, I see it all the time at restaurants. Like you can just tell the server or you know, the, the line cook, whoever it is, you can just tell that they're just not treated well. And there's just not a culture of respect even for people. And I think it comes down to, you know, it's like you have to still find a meaning for people to do their job. And I, I think that you might sacrifice people throughout the interview process, which again, I think, you know, doing it quickly, like you said, is, is key still. Um, but you want to find people who actually care about the grooming, right? Like you said, so you're trying to find the people who like take pride in their work. Um, you know, and I, th I think even at that level, like I know, I'm sure there are people who are super passionate about pet grooming and doing a great job. And then you probably have people who are just like, yeah, this is just a job for me and I don't really care. So um, I think that's massive. I, I love that. Give us, um, I know we're kind of wrapping up on, on time here when you're trying to build a culture like that, um, like, I guess, how do you, how do you maintain that? Like, what are some of the things that you've seen work well in a year and a half that you've been there? Um, I know you mentioned like caring more about people and showing that, but like, how do you, how do you kind of get people motivated to even do that? Yeah. Great question. You know, one of the things that comes to mind is something that you just mentioned, uh, people finding meaning in their work. Um, so a couple of things on that, all of our employees, when they're going through their first couple of weeks of, of onboarding, before they actually go out and, you know, truly even produce revenue in real appointments for us, they all take the van to one of our rescue partners and they spend a full day there. We charge the rescue nothing for that. And we try to bathe and groom as many of those dogs at that rescue as possible so that they are looking and, and feeling great and a whole lot more likely to to get adopted um, and that's something that i think resonates with with all of us um, and you know that kind of gives a little connection and meaning to the work which is which is really important for people to you know feel like they're they're doing something great um, in their job another example of that um, you know i mentioned we spend time with the pet parents at the beginning of the appointment and the end of the appointment talking about how their dog's doing, what's going on with them, any issues, things like that, because we care so much about the health and wellness of the dog. We're, we're not in the business of grooming a dog once. We're in the business of grooming your dog for its lifetime. And something that came Dude, up- I, I, I'm loving this right now, man, because I just, I'm I, like, everything you're saying is just so, like, just how you build a great business, right? Like, you actually, like, genuinely care. And uh, yeah, sorry, I just, I just love, I just love it. 
Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, and, and it gets better. Um, you know, I there's a story. I, can, I mean, there's a lot of great stories, but you know, one that comes right to the top of my head is we we had a, a pet stylist who found a cancerous tumor on one of our, our client's dogs, and they were able to to notice it, to point it out to that pet parent. Pet parent was able to get that dog to the vet and get it removed before it was too late, and the dog's cancer free, and you know, it's still 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 with that pet parent every day and you know th- i don't think that's going to happen in an environment where there are 20 dogs in the salon at one time and barking and making a ton of noise and stressing each other out i don't think that's going to happen in an environment where employees are paid on a commission basis and want to do things as quickly as possible uh, when they're in an environment like ours where it's one-on-one care for the pets uh, and that there isn't a lot of distraction going on and there is no reason to rush through a groom, that's how something like that can be caught and something like that can be taken care of. And, you know, that that dog is is, is still with us because of that, which is great. Yeah, I love that. Honestly, if, uh, it, I'm thinking of like recruitment agencies when you're saying all this, because I'm just like, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and, you know, it's like the agency recruiting mindset is just, it's so much on commission, right? And it's like that is what's incentivized, which makes sense because you have a business and you want to get as much commission as possible. Um, but it also is a reason why a lot of times candidates don't have a great experience. And it's just like that lack of like actual time with candidates. And okay, you notice like a blurry mistake on their resume, instead of helping them out and being incentivized to help out, you're more incentivized to move on to somebody else that you can make money on. And so yeah, and again, when you look at a lot of like, I'm talking about more of like the contingent style agencies here as well. Um, historically, they just have terrible turnover because it's that same thing. There isn't like, there, there's more of a love for commission than there is for the actual recruiting process or the businesses are helping or the candidates are helping. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to be said here. I think it's just that overall approach to business is, uh, is what makes a difference. And then when you're recruiting people, like, you're trying to find people who actually care. So um, I love it. Well, look, I uh, I know we're right at, t- at the time. If uh, if people want to connect with you, where's the best place for them to connect with you on? Um, and, you know, if you want to share the career page as well, we can share that on, on this social and then any of the socials that I uh, post this on. Uh, but what's the best place for people to connect with you? Sure. LinkedIn would be the, be the best spot. Um, I, I'll certainly be checking my messages and, you know, checking them extra a- after this event and happy to, to chat with, with anybody um, about what we've got going on at BarkBus and recruiting or, or anything uh, in, in that neighborhood of info. Love it. And guys, if you have questions around jobs or you're, you're wondering about uh, job search, DM me on, on LinkedIn. You know, I wouldn't DM Kirk about that. But if you're in recruitment, you're in TA, HR, whatever it is. I think if you're particularly in HR and you're interested in TA or the opposite, like if you're in talent acquisition and you're looking to get out and looking to get into HR, I think Kirk is a really good resource for that as well. Like he's got a really strong HR background, but he also understands like the skill sets that are around recruitment and he does some recruiting as well, right? So um, definitely would advise reaching out. And I know recently I've had so many people in recruitment that are like, oh, I'm looking to switch to HR, but like, how do I do it? What I will say is send them a connection request. And then if you're going to message, always just be really, really uh, kind of polite and understanding, you know, he's not just going to get back to you in like 10 minutes. Not like me. He doesn't hang out on LinkedIn all day. 
but Kirk, I really appreciate it. Really cool hearing just like the strategies that you're using, what's working, what's not. Um, and awesome to hear just the BarkQuest journey as well. So thanks for spending the time on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've, I've been a fan of your content for a while, and I'm sure plenty of other listeners here here are. And if not, go check it out. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to join you. Yeah, I love it. And we will, uh, I'll make the, the notice as well when this gets re released on Spotify and iTunes. You guys can see all the past episodes as well on iTunes and Spotify. Just search for Recruiting is No Joke. Um, and then, guys, everyone who was out there, I know, I think it was John that was out there that was kind of sharing some of his terrible experiences with um, the Canada Experience. Check out a podcast from a couple of weeks ago on my page around Canada Experience. There are actually companies out there that are helping companies with this very thing. Um, and it is, like, I think, I don't know if this is John, but it's a LinkedIn user just said, great to hear that the human element is not taken over by AI. Look, there are some AI tools that are actually helping us become more human, okay? Because recruiters have a lot of monotonous tasks. Actually, a lot of the AI I see is helping recruiters get good at what they do best, which is connecting with people. But Yasser, good to see you. Lakita, great to see you. Uh, Henry, Natalie, Danielle, uh, Heidi, Inga, everybody else who commented, really appreciate it. And uh, we will get the past episodes of of this podcast as well. You could go to Spotify to see them. And then one last shout out to MetaView. Thank you so much for the sponsorship. And Kirk, we will we'll talk later. I'll have you stay on for just a second as I end this broadcast. But see you guys. Have a good week.